As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, and welcome to Ask Christina First, straight talk for entrepreneurs and sole proprietors on what makes small business work. Each podcast, we have a grounded conversation, tips and tricks specifically for you, the small business owner, to make you more peaceful, abundant, and on purpose in running your small business. You're listening to this on the Amazing Men and Women Radio Network, powered by Raven Media International. If you're wanting to listen to this, we'll be streaming on iTunes, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. If you're looking for my other radio show, Real Estate Freedom Breakthrough, that's going to be on Roku TV and Amazon Fire TV. If you want to find me, Christina Suter, you can find me on Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn under Christina Suter, S-U-T-E-R, and also at Ground Level Com, short for consulting. Thank you so much for listening to Ask Christina First. Enjoy the show. Hello, and welcome to Ask Christina First. Get straight talk for entrepreneurs and sole proprietors on what's makes small business work. You're listening to this on, the prog on this program on the Amazing Women of Power Radio Network, world's leading positive programming network, powered by Raven Media International and sponsored by Ground Level Small Business Management Consulting. If you're overwhelmed by the challenges of managing your small business and you're ready to turn that around, call 310-463-5942. That's 310-463-5942. And they were happy to talk to you for free. So let me, today's topic, let me just get right to it. Today's topic is the good-hearted business owner and customer service. Now, I have talked about before that the good-hearted business owner, we are, I, okay, I'm a, let's start with this. I am a good-hearted business owner. I'm very clear on that. I try to run my business with the intention of helping other people, making a difference on the face of this planet, contributing so that others' lives are better, to support freedom, abundance, and uh, empowerment and transformation for the people that I talk to. I am, I've got to be one of your ideal or stereotypical. I don't know if ideal is the right word. Maybe stereotypical. I'm one of maybe your stereotypical business owners. And part of the reason why I do this whole series called The Small Good-Hearted Small Business Owner is because I know that there are others out there that are like me and that maybe you guys have worked on it too and that you know we have these certain traits that we end up getting involved in and we end up being mm, stuck. We end up being stuck in our own belief systems just as much as any other business owner 
just as much as any other human being, we end up being stuck in our own belief systems. And sometimes those belief systems support us. And sometimes those belief systems actually corner us. And so I want to talk about how this particular belief system can actually corner you in the area of customer service. So the good-hearted business owner and customer service, usually when we're trying to take care of our customers, right, our focus is that our customer comes first. We want to offer a high level of customer service. We don't want our customers to just feel like another number or feel like just another a form of cash. We don't want them to experience us being salesy. We don't want them to feel like that we're pressuring them. We want them to feel like they have a rich customer service that they can trust us as owners and they can therefore trust our product. Okay, and that all makes great sense. And I'm really into that. You can ask my clients. I'm particularly guilty of some of these particular traits. I really am. Here's what I've noticed though, is that sometimes we do customer service to our detriment. And here's why, here's my challenge to you today. My challenge to you is listen and tell me and tell, well, not tell me, but tell yourself. You can tell me if you want. You can call me at 626-844-8842. You can tell me yourself if you're one of these people. And are you doing one of these things that might actually be taking away from the success level of your business, taking away from your sense of peace, taking away from your bottom line, taking away from your branding, and maybe even damaging your customer service. So this specifically are traits in relationship to the good-hearted business owner and how it may or may not be supporting their customer service. It may actually be taking away from themselves, their business model, or from the customers themselves. Okay, so here's the first one. You give too much of your time to your customers. Give too much of your time over to your customers. Now, as a good-hearted business owner, like I said, our desire is to make every customer feel like an individual. We might be doing that regardless of what type of product we have. You see, if you have a high level of price in your product, I do, I'm a consultant. A lot of what I offer, a lot of the value that my clients get is in my customer service. I'm available to them by text and by email and by phone, whether they're in town or out of town. I just went on a trip. I just went on a trip and I was talking to a client while I was in the hotel room, settling my, my family into the hotel room. And I, everybody was settled and I made a phone call to my client at 8.30 at night to make sure that my client was taken care of and that my client's questions were answered because my client was on a timeline. My client said, thank you for calling at that time of night to give them the answer they needed. But that's a high level. I consider that to be a high level of customer service, right? My husband's like, why are you doing that? I'm like, well, I'm a high price point product. What they pay me for is to be available to them when they have a question. That's part of what they pay for. They pay for a premium on me being available. I have a product that people can buy or a service package or a, um, well, cause I'm a service business. I have a service package that people can buy that don't come with, that doesn't come with all of the bells and whistles of support. It doesn't come that same way, right? This package that this client had bought made me available to them in high, in, in, um, 
basically not anytime they wanted, but you know, when they needed me. So, but I'm not giving too much and too much time or extra benefits because that client has paid for that privilege. I'm a high price product with a high, with my, I have a high price product in general and my client has purchased my high price line, which has built into it a high level of customer service. That's a benefit they're paying for. What's your product? Now back to you. What's your product? Are you a high price product? Do people pay you $250 an hour? Do people pay you $1,000 a month? Do people pay you a, a chunk of money to keep your focus and attention on them and the value they receive and in making sure you're truly making a difference in that element in their life? Or are people paying you $25 for a videotape or a book or a CD or a subscription to a membership site? They're paying $25, then maybe I'm going to challenge you that you want to have some customer service in there. Of course you do. You want to support the product, but maybe not the level I'm talking about 8.30 at night, checking into a hotel room, taking away from your family time. Maybe that's not the level of customer service that you want to have be available. So, so I want you to write out on a piece of paper, because you know me, get out a piece of paper and a pencil. I want you to write out what kind of product are you? Are you a $25 an hour product? Are you a $250 an hour product? Or a $25 product or $250 an hour? Whatever that is. And say, what kind of customer service can I afford in there? Now, let me put it to you this way. If you're a $25 an hour product, that means your margin might be $12.50. And how much do you want to be paid per hour at for the $12.50? Let me, let me, here's the calculation. If you're giving them 30 minutes, then you're being paid $24 an hour to service that client. If you're giving them an hour, you're being paid $12.50 an hour to service that client. And you're taking away potential products, you know, based upon your pricing, you're taking away potential overhead. Okay. At, you can see that pretty quickly at a $25 product that maybe has a total cost of goods. I'm saying total cost of goods, hard costs, variable costs, you know, uh, employee time costs of $12.50, which leaves you $12.50 worth of product. Do you want to be paid $12.50 an hour for being the, being the entrepreneur of the company? Or are you hoping that your company would bring you more? If you're hoping your company would bring you more than $12.50 an hour, just asking you, do you want to bring you more? Then you might want to consider the amount of customer service time that you put out based on the amount of products that you put, that you sell. Because I know people, I know good-hearted people who build into the product line customer service support that costs them 15 minutes, 30 minutes for each and every customer they have every time they sell 20, that $25 product. And when they do that, 15 minutes to 30 minutes of customer support, you're taking a $12.50 quote-unquote profit you're putting it back in in time for you, and it's not paying you. It's not. It's now leaving you six dollars and fifty cents. That's six dollars that is profit for the company. So I want you to consider that carefully. What customer service do you have in place? Maybe you do it by product. Maybe you do it by 
the week or the month and how many products were sold in that week or that month. Maybe you have one client who takes three hours of your time and the rest of your clients take 15 minutes. But what are you left with at the end of the day? Do some time tracking. How much are you giving to your clients and are you being paid? My challenge to you is a minimum of $100 an hour. A minimum of $100 an hour is my challenge to you. Now, maybe that's not your target, but I suggest that your target could be in that range or even higher, $250 an hour instead of a minimum of $100 an hour. Maybe it could be $250 an hour. So that's one. Too much time or giving extra benefits. Okay? Extra benefits literally looks at like I'm sending them five emails, but it took me five hours worth of time to set up those five emails, which are only good for six months. Or I spend five dollars, five five hours a week setting up a bunch of emails to support my clients, or you know something along the lines where if it's a sunk cost up front, and then it's an automated service from there out, great. If it's if it's a sunk cost up front and then a charge every week because somebody else is doing it, then you might want to consider again: Are you putting money out that could be considered going towards you? Your paycheck, your paycheck as the entrepreneur. You know, do you want to get $12.50 an hour as an entrepreneur? Or would it be easier and less stressful for you if you just earned $12.50 somewhere else? Or is it worth $12.50 because it's so fulfilling to you? Or maybe it's worth doing the analysis or the review to make sure that you're being paid $100 an hour. Okay, so too much time on your personal part or too many benefits. Benefits might be emails, might be follow-ups, might be packaging that comes up behind it. It might be uh, customer surveys, might be Facebook, might be Twitter. What is it that you're offering them as far as benefits that you tell them are free but really cost you in your business design, whether it's you're doing it yourself or whether it's, an assistant doing it for you. Okay. So let's go on the other side of this. I just talked about how you can really, good hard business owners have a tendency to want to deliver too much of their extra direct time to the customer service or maybe too much extra, they give them extra benefits. Okay. Like an audio, extra audio CD or follow-up emails or a Twitter or a Facebook follow-up of some kind. What does that cost you in time? Actually, not in your thinking when you first came up with it, but the actual time tracking, what does it cost you to service that product? Okay. Number two, it costs your business money that you may not be aware of. If you're a high leverage item, then that makes perfect sense. But let's get to the money part. That Facebook follow-up, that Twitter follow-up, that CD that you send them that's the extra to the package. What is the money that goes into supporting that? Is there a monthly fee associated with it? Right? Facebook, Twitter, AdWords, there might be a monthly fee associated with it. What is that monthly fee? And are you making sure that it's in your total costs? You go, well, it's not, it's not a product item. Right? It's, 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 an, it's a customer service item. So, so I don't need to include it in my cost of goods. Let me challenge you. 
that it is included in your cost of goods. That extra CD that you throw in may not cost you very much, but it does as far as the CD itself, right? As far as the actual CD itself, but it costs you time for you to put it in it, or your assistant. It costs you energy to be able to track it. You put it out on a new Facebook campaign, a new advertising campaign. You want to think about what is that costing me? It costs your business money that you may not be aware of. So I want you to, when I'm having you track your time or your assistance time that goes out to customer service, also remember that time is a version of money. And maybe you're throwing in a CD or a DVD that seems like it should be inexpensive but really costs you at the end of the day, once you put all the packaging together, $5. Or it really costs you at the end of the day, once you figure out the fee that you're paying for the automatic email service, maybe it's costing you $5. What is those extra benefits? What are they really costing your business as far as money? And I want you to include those. Those feel like soft costs. Right? I call those soft costs because they, they feel like they don't. If I'm selling a book and I buy my book for $12.50 and I turn around and I sell my book for $25, right? Then it seems pretty straightforward, right? I've got a fifty. I've got a hundred percent margin, hundred percent markup, fifty percent margin, right? Pretty straightforward. But you're only really accounting for the cost of what it what it brought you. Okay, no, Christina, I count for all my costs. I've got the cost of the book. I've got the cost of my packaging. Not a problem. Okay, great. That's direct hard costs that go into each product. Now here's my next question: Are you counting your time when it comes to customer service? Are you counting your time when it comes to picking up the phone and answering them? There are several stages of customer service starting all the way from your very, the very first time your customer sees your brand on a Facebook campaign or a Twitter campaign, all the way through until they purchase. Well, let's see, when they first see you, when they're researching you, when they come to you to do their first round of inquiry, when they're actually doing the purchasing process, when they actually purchase, and the post-customer follow-up. There's at least six or seven stages to customer service. In those six stages of customer service I just listed, what time and costs are associated with those stages? Too much time? Remember I talked about during, during these topics, you have too much time that might be in those six stages. You also might have too much costs that's hidden inside of those six stages. So I want you to track what is the cost of the customer service that you're making available. Now, some of that's going to look like branding and marketing time, but customer service is partly branding and marketing. But I want you to do the discipline of going through all six stages to be able to confirm what costs am I putting into those, especially the, the, from, from the point of the product inquiry to the product sales to the customer service follow-up. Those last three stages are particularly important because that really is much more about direct customer service than marketing dollars and branding dollars. Okay, that's product inquiry, product sales, customer service follow-up after sales. You want to do all those steps. I'm not telling you not to do them. What I'm telling you is to be, is to be responsible. Be responsible for the time and the cost that it is that it that is um, involved in that. I, I know lots of people who run their business, and I've worked with these people who run their business 
effectively at a loss because there's all of these good-hearted, well-intended things that are, are sound choices at the time, but then they accumulate to too many good choices, too much customer service, too many little benefits that seem like it shouldn't matter. It's just plain, simple, good service and that it shouldn't matter. But if you haven't accounted for it on a monetary front, maybe it does matter. Maybe it takes that $12.50 and makes it $6. Or maybe it takes that $100 that I'm encouraging you to get and make it $50. Okay, so there's that. Now here's the next question. Or here's the, the next piece. The next piece is high leverage items. When you're going to do customer service, we have a tendency to make an assumption about what is it our client really wants. We assume our client is us. We have a tendency to give them the customer service that we would want. So we move into this assumptive state that we would want a follow-up phone call. We would want to replace our products at any with any damage whatsoever, any concern at all. We would want to offer them as much information as possible on the product before they purchase, maybe to the point where if you're an informational product, that they're not going to purchase your product because too much information has gone out. Although that's a thin line. You can teach a lot of people about the what, but you can't replace the how. If you're teaching people how to do something, you can give them the what to do all day long. The how to do, they have to come to you for. So, But maybe there are certain things that you are really wanting, that you're assumptive about. Let me give you an example. I had a client who, um, after she was a, a therapist, so after therapy, every therapy session, she recorded them. Back in the this was back in the times when cassettes was popular, but she recorded every single one of them. Then she mailed out that cassette with a handwritten note folded around the cassette, and because it was a cassette, it was in bubble wrap, so it actually took extra time. She assumed every client wanted the cassette of the sessions. So we did a survey and we, what the survey questions we asked were, do you like having your session recorded? Do you listen to the cassette after you receive it? And, uh, what well, would, oh, let me back. Do you, do you like having the session recorded? Do you like, is it valuable to you to receive the cassette and do you listen to it? Because what we wanted to know is maybe they perceive it as being valuable, but they're not really listening to it. And we rated that on a scale of one to five. What we discovered was people liked having the sessions recorded. People, Some people thought it was valuable to have the cassettes actually given to them so that they had them. But very few people actually ever re-listened to them. So we changed it up. We encouraged them to record the session. We encourage them, if, if they wanted the session to be recorded, we encourage them to record the session. She put it into her opening part of her session with every client. If you would like to record this session, then please, I remind you now to turn on your recorder. She switched over to using Skype as soon as Skype was available and had Skype recording so that the clients could record it on Skype themselves if they wanted to. So she put the power of the recording into the hands of the client so the client was putting the time and the money into it because she was paying for the cassette, she was paying for the packing envelope, she was paying for the postage. 
that ended up being anywhere from six to seven dollars for that piece. And she was spending 15 minutes between collecting the cassette, labeling it, and filing it after every client. And then actually putting it in the package and taking it to the post office. She was spending a minimum of 15 minutes per cassette just getting it to the client. So even though she was charging them, I think at the time it was $75 or $80 an hour, even though she was charging them, she was actually losing in her time. She was putting in an extra 15 minutes per session as well as an extra $7. And she chronically found herself to be behind on it. You see, absolutely do a high level of customer service in the areas that are the most important. The cassettes weren't that important because her clients weren't really listening to them. The highest value was in reminding her clients to record the sessions for those clients that did listen to them. That way, the clients that actually cared the most got the value out of it versus her being assumptive about what the client cared about. So is there something you're doing in your business that feels like an appropriate customer service that is actually an assumption on your part that isn't actually serving your client? And the answer to that really is, I've talked to you about having your pay piece of paper. You should have already written down on that piece of paper the benefits that you're offering your client in your time and the benefits you're offering your client that maybe cost you money. Okay? Go through all those benefits and create a survey, very much like the one I just talked about. Do you get benefit? Is this beneficial to you? Do you actually use this? Right, so minimum of two questions. I said three questions, but a minimum of two questions. Do you like it? It was question one. Do you actually, you know, do, do you like it? Do you want it? And do you use it? Do you like it? Do you want it? Do you use it? Okay. And you might find that some of the benefits that you have been focused on and trying to offer your clients may not actually be of high leverage. So in summation, I'm not telling you to not use not have a high level of customer service. I'm telling you to level your customer service based on your level of product. I am telling you to go through an accountability with your time on customer service and your cost on customer service. And I'm telling you to do a survey, even if it's just an unofficial survey. It doesn't even have to be on SurveyMonkey or anything like that. It can just be an unofficial survey. But do a survey and confirm that if you're going to put that time and that cost into those benefits, those benefits really are valuable to your clients. Now, totally on the other side, just for a moment, just on conclusion, if you find that your customer service benefits during the purchasing and after purchasing, if you find those benefits are actually pretty short list, like, gee, I don't do any after servicing, you might want to consider at least doing a single follow-up after purchase, done as an automated email, maybe done by you, maybe done by an assistant, but a single follow-up that's an automation. All right. Thank you so much for listening to Ask Christina First. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. 
I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply.